0: But we're all here now, and God knows how long we're going to be here. But if we can't live together, we're going to die alone. You guys got any milk?
1: Welcome to Let's Get Lost. Welcome. Welcome. I'm Anita. I'm Sam. And And let's get lost.
0: We're going to get lost twice tonight
1: twice, because we did not podcast last week. Um, I know, you know, (laughs) we're dating ourselves here, but uh, we were a little busy last week with something you might, you know, call midterms. Uh, I call them midterms. Very important uh, bi-yearly event that our company has to address, and, you know, we really have to just dive headfirst into it. Do a lot of work, and there's not much time for recreation.
0: There was a lot of there were a lot of presentations. There were a lot of reports due. Presentations,
1: reports, uh, just general statistics gathering. You know, a lot of to, my
0: bosses were really, really you know, riding me to get those reports done and in on time.
1: And a lot of my bosses are pretty harsh, you know, critics. So I had to really make sure my work was yes top notch. And sometimes, so, you,
0: sometimes you come into work and and you you don't even get to prepare ahead of time, you just have to do right. that report then and there, which is what I had to do that three times that week, so.
1: Right, so we're back this week, and we're <clears> going to <throat> talk a little bit about uh, The Constant, Episode 5, and we're going to talk mostly about Episode 6, The Other Woman. Um, not We're not doing any sort of recap on The Constant, so... We assume you know it by now. We just want to talk a little bit about the whole space-time theory.
0: Yes, I
1: and what how we
0: think it works. Right. After I watched this episode, I did a lot of thinking, and a lot of you did a lot of
1: constantly constantly me about it,
0: thinking about it. We had, we've had many hour to two hour long conversations just about time. And I wrote out this whole To the
1: point where we were questioning the integrity of Time Machine,
0: the Mac There was a point where I was so confused by all of it that I... That we were just talking about regular time, and then you brought up Time Machine, the Mac application that like backs up your hard drive. You were talking about Time Machine, and I became really disturbed because I didn't understand how it was possible that Time Machine could work. And that how can you go back in time and get your files and bring them back to the present? Well, there you go. That's a problem.
1: That is a problem. I
0: eventually grasped it's that. a problem
1: that loss causes. But <clears throat> why don't we dive straight into uh, this theory? I, You have most of the notes prepared, and I think...
0: I'll just go for it. Just go for it. Alright, so the first thing I want to do is address what space-time is. Because that was something that I never understood. But I had it... I read something that explained it very well. That explained how you should think about what time is. So, um, on Dark UFO, someone named Lux, L U H K X, Lux, (laughs) wrote a uh, recap of the constant. And they explained some of the space time thing. So I'll read. Okay. I'll read what they wrote. Among many of his other contributions to mathematics, Minkowski discovered that Einstein's theory of special relativity could best be understood in four unified dimensions. Essentially, Minkowski realized that the mathematics of special relativity worked much more nicely if scientists treated time as just another dimension, with its own axis, not significantly different from any of the other three dimensions. To illustrate this idea, consider an example of three-dimensional space with which we are familiar. On December 24th, 2004, a man in the Pacific Ocean makes a phone call to a woman on the other side of the globe in England. Desmond on one end of the phone and Penny on the other, and both occupy particular events in space-time. Each of these two events have different sets of coordinates in three-dimensional space about as far apart as any two people on the planet could possibly be. Even though they occupy different coordinates in space, they share the same coordinates on the axis of time. Also also consider two different space-time events. Penny Widmore speaks to Desmond on the phone at 423 Cheyenne Walk during 2004, and she also speaks to Desmond in person at the exact same location in 1996. These two events occupy the same coordinates in three-dimensional space, but their coordinates rest eight years apart along the axis of time. According to Minkowski's vision of the universe, the second example is directly analogous to the first example. Every event occupies a different location in space-time. When Penelope receives Desmond's call in 2004, she's no further away from Desmond in 2004 as from Desmond is as, as from De- the Desmond in 1996. In Minkowski space-time, as well as in the narrative of Lost, all of these different events are occurring simultaneously.
1: So basically, what this is <coughs> getting at, the gist at is that time is not so much a um,
0: completely linear, fixed thing. Right, and it's and it's very much related to, it has to be thought of in terms of kind of location, almost as the same type of idea as location, which is why they say that time is the fourth dimension, just as the first three dimensions have to do with kind of, you know, visual looking at something.
1: Right, so, basically, (laughs) basically all these events can be occurring simultaneously in time, is what you're saying. Sure. Okay, so, why don't you keep Alright,
0: so the next point I want to make, is just really quick, is that Desmond is not physically traveling through time.
1: I think they're trying to make that pretty clear
0: to us. Right. Um, only Desmond's mind is traveling. So, when, you know, when he writes Daniel's numbers on his hand in 2004, they're not there in 1996. When he gets a nosebleed in 2004, his nose is dry in... in 1996, and he has long hair in 2004, and his hair is short in 1996, right. so his body is not traveling. You have, so what you have is four distinct parts of Desmond. His 1996 body, his 2004 body, his 1996 mind, and his 2004 mind. And what happens is, his 1996 mind is, is jumping between his 1996 body and his 2004 body. Right. Okay. So... One of the big references this episode made was to the book Slaughterhouse Five by Kurt Vonnegut. Right. Which we are which you've read. I've read.
1: And I never got the chance to read, so.
0: That was one of the few books I actually read in high school.
1: I was never required to read that book, so.
0: Um and I liked it a lot. And we're gonna reread it. Well, we're gonna
1: reread it soon and probably talk about it. I think uh <laughs> The constant. This episode title is a little bit telling because I kind of feel like we'll be talking about it in every podcast.
0: Constantly. As a constant segment. Go. Yeah. Um, basically, the main connection was that Faraday referred to Eloise as being on second time. The book starts out, Billy Pilgrim has, be- has, been, has become on time. And also, um, one of the guys in the army that Desmond was talking to was named Billy. So obviously they were referencing yes. this book. And I want to read
1: They did, in <clears throat> fact, use the phrase unstuck in
0: time. Yes, they point. specifically said un- unstuck in time. Um, so the next point I want to make is that all points in time past, present, and future exist. Which is kind of hard to grasp, but I'm going to read uh, an excerpt from Slaughterhouse 5. In, in the book... Billy Pilgrim becomes on second time, he speaks to these aliens called Tralfamidorians who are from Tralfamador. So that's why I'm going to be saying that word. Okay. Um, the mo- uh, this is the excerpt. The most important thing I learned on Tralfamador was that when a person dies, he only appears to die. He is still very much alive in the past, so it is very silly for people to cry at his funeral. All moments, past, present, and fu- present, and future, always have existed, always will exist. The Trophimidorians can look at all the different moments just the way we can look at a stretch of the Rocky Mountains, for instance. They can see how permanent all the moments are, and they can look at any moment that interests them. It is just an illusion we have here on Earth that one moment follows another one, like beads on a string, and that once a moment is gone, it is gone forever. When a Trophimidorian sees a corpse, all he thinks is that the dead person is in bad condition in the particular moment, but that the same person is just fine in plenty of other moments. Now, when I myself hear that somebody is dead, I simply shrug and say what the Trophimidoreans say about dead people, which is, so it goes. So, and
1: it's, it, it's very easy to think of time as a completely linear
0: Right, thing. to think that, you know, when I was in fourth grade and I won some award, that that moment will never, that moment's gone forever and will never happen again.
1: Right, but it's still happening anyway. Right. Always will happen. Always has happened.
0: Yeah. So the way I think of it is if you have a line, you're facing this line, and on the line, at random intermittent points, are the letters A through the, A through Z. On your far left is the letter A, on your far right is the letter Z, and you are standing facing towards the letter M. And all of these letters account for an event in time. Right. So letter A is your birth, let's say. Letter Z is your death. And letter M is you standing, facing this line, looking at the letter M. So the present. Right. All of these things exist. No matter where you stand. If you stand at letter D, P exists. If you stand at, you know, Q, F exists. All these moments exist. Um, And they'll always be there. So... The thing that, um, the creators have been very adamant about is this, they, they, do, they say there will never be a paradox, a very anti-paradox.
1: Paradox meaning, um, sort of traveling back in time to tell your former self something, for example. That would completely negate the need for you to travel back in time and tell yourself that. Because it never happened.
0: Right. Like, if I told... If I... If if you were... It could be
1: something as simple as, I travel back in time to tell myself not to, uh, you know, wake up early this morning. And so I don't wake up early this morning. And so, hence, I never had a reason to go back and tell myself to do that.
0: Yeah. So that's a paradox. Um... And they're also very adamant about saying that you can't change anything, because they, when, when you have these flash-forwards, they want the audience to be invested in the flash-forwards and to um, not think that anything a character can do will change those events. Those events are solidified to them, which plays into the whole letters on the line thing. Those events happen. Right. And will happen and yeah. always exist. So, you know, you think about Desmond going back in time and you think, well, is he changing things? If they're so adamant about not changing things, and if he's changing things, wouldn't that create a paradox? It's it, You kind of think, well, he can't, either he can't really be going back or he can't be changing things. But they have said, he is really doing these things. Right. So... My, um, theory is that he is changing things, but only mildly. So, um, they also also said in one of their podcasts that all you need to do is refer to Mrs. Hawking's speech in Flashes Before Your Eyes and everything will be explained, which is kind of an overstatement, but... Yeah. Um, basically she says, I know you... Um, I know you don't ask Penny, Penny to marry you, you break a heart, which drives you to enter the sailing race, which brings you to the island, which makes you spend three years of your life entering numbers until you turn the failsafe key. And if you don't do, do, those, do those things, Desmond David Hume, every single one of us is dead, so give me that sodding ring. And then she says, it wouldn't matter if I had warned that guy about the taxi. I mean, warned that guy about the scaffolding, because if he right. didn't get hit by the scaffolding, he would get hit by a taxi the next day. If I wonder about the taxi, he'd fall in the shower and break his neck.
1: Same thing that Esmond learned
0: with, with Charlie. Charlie. Right. She says, The universe, unfortunately, has a way of course correcting. That man was supposed to die. That was his path, just as, it is it's, just as it is your path to go to the island. You don't do it because you choose to, Desmond. You do it because you're supposed to. So that also plays into the letters on the line. Yeah. All the, All those things are part of his path that he has to do. So... Basically, what I he goes his mind goes back in time and he's doing things differently than he had done them the first time. But the things he is changing are either so mild that they don't matter, or are big enough to. Okay, well let me let me start, let me start. <laughs> um, it's safe to say that there are certain things certain events that are big enough to be a significant like milestone in your life
1: such as getting to the island
0: right so it Meeting so Penny. for 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 Desmond one of the big, huge milestones in his life was entering the sailing race let's say yeah. that was that was a big thing that set off events that were big that you know were part of his life timeline Right, so it would be much it would be a big problem let 's say if he did not enter the sailing race, so if he went back in time and decided not to enter the sailing race, but if he went back in time and decided to wear a different shirt when he on his first day of sailing, that would be completely it would have nothing to do with anything it wouldn 't matter
1: and so you can almost make the case that um, I believe that this episode was absolutely a, um, nod to the fact that he did travel back in time before when he was knocked out by the hatch imploding. The episode was called Flashes Before Your Eyes, I think everyone, a lot of people kind of said, well, that makes it clear that, you know, it was just a flash before his eyes, him reliving it in his own mind. But... I do believe that his consciousness was there, his whether it was fully there or not, you know because he didn't have much memory of the island right while he was there, but it slowly started coming back together um and he changed something you could say in not allowing the bartender bartender to get hit right, so did that really alter anything? Right, Other who's... than the bartender having to, you know, go home early that night. Right. Miss a day of work the next day. Yeah. It may not have altered anything significant, and so was able to be changed. And I think, you know, one of the things we addressed was in the second episode, the picture frames in the woman's house that Miles visits change right. as he goes upstairs and downstairs. When he comes downstairs, they're in completely different frames, and it doesn't seem like that's a prop error because... Why would they? Right. Why wouldn't they just leave them in the, their proper frames? But so, you know, that doesn't make a difference in anyone's life,
0: right? Whether those minute things are changed, and that actually we didn't address because that was the second podcast, right? Right. But anyway, anyway. If those you look don't the, exist. <laughs> if you look at the second episode, with the flashbacks of the Phryges. Miles goes into the woman's house, goes upstairs, there's a shot of the picture frames, of these pictures on the wall, and they're in certain frames. When he comes back downstairs afterwards, all of those frames are different. So all the pictures are in different frames. And they're very deliberate shots of the frames, so... They're
1: close-ups. They're...
0: So why would they take all the pictures out of the frames and replace them all? Exactly. So we think it was some... Like, as he was upstairs, Desmond had changed something so mild that it caused this woman to like purchase different frames and they changed something like that so anyway back to the like these big events if you go back to the line you know miss hawking says that the universe has a way of course correcting everything that is meant to happen will happen so every letter on that line is meant to be there every and it's in its event all those events are meant to happen so you can take the letter C and move it along that line. But you can't take it off the line. No matter where you move it, it's still going to happen. So you can make it happen later, or you can make it ha- happen earlier, but you can never make it not happen. So you right. can't change that. So when, so if, if you try to postpone something or try to not do something, the universe is going to make it happen no matter what.
1: Because C needs to happen before D no matter
0: what. Right, exactly. So you can make it happen closer to D, or you can make it happen much, much earlier than D, but like, it's still going to happen before D.
1: Like, this is what we believe Daniel was doing in sending Desmond back with those, those numbers to input into the machine. Daniel obviously at some point found that out. Found yeah. these numbers out himself. And so he knew he was going to discover them eventually. So sending Desmond back didn't change anything other than him discovering them a little bit sooner.
0: Exactly. So that, like, uh, Daniel discovering those numbers was an event, and it didn't stop from happening. It just happened earlier. Right. So also, so that's basically how we believe time is working. And then there's also a theory about, our, our theory about, what happened the first time Desmond had this, like, time-tripping experience, mm-hmm. after he turned the fail-safe key. So, upon turning the key, 2004 Desmond beca- became unstuck in time. His 2004 mind, even though it was a little bit confused, transports to his, I want to say, 1995 body. He's just a little before. I want to oh, say yeah. 95, Probably why not?
1: 94,
0: 95. Yeah. Um, so unlike his second trip that was in the constant, this time Desmond's mind jumps to his opposite body only once. A few days later, upon being hit by the cricket bat, his 2004 mind is transported back to his 2004 body. And, But he hasn't become stuck back in time yet. He's still in that kind of same flipping back and forth. Because Faraday says it's, very, it's a very unpredictable thing. The creators say it's really unpredictable, like, what happens. Right. So, you know, the first time this happened, he was in, his mind jumped to the opposite body for a much longer period than the second time it happened. It's completely unpredictable. So he gets back to 2004, he walks around, he's naked in the woods, and he finds a picture, he finds the picture of him and Penny, and he, he cries to it, and he says, please, let me go back, let me go back one more time, I'll do it right, I'll do it right this time, I'm sorry, Penny, I'll change it, I'll change it. And I believe that picture was his constant the first time. Right. So when he looked at that and got all emotional, he triggered that emotional response, and he had just taken the picture with her in 1995.
1: That line probably could have been an allusion to the fact that now he can't, Right, might go back now he can't go back because he's, he's stuck back in time, at least for the time being,
0: right, because he's found his constant
1: and I think that there are people who can find their constant and be completely stuck forever, but then there are people like him who, as Faraday was talking about, have been exposed to these levels of radiation who are traveling in and out of this different you know time discrepancy, and so it's a sensitive thing that can be triggered again, right. And I think, you know, Daniel's kind of expecting it to be triggered with him, even though he's sort of has an idea that Desmond's going to be his constant.
0: Yes. So he's, yeah.
1: Yeah. Now, the one thing that I wanted to bring up in terms of this theory is just that, the very end of the episode where Desmond, I'm a... Daniel goes back in his notebook and sees that now he has written in it, Desmond will be my constant. Yeah. So, is that Desmond, did he change his past in some way by making Desmond his constant?
0: Um, yeah. But, yeah, I don't think it matters.
1: You can make, you can make a number of arguments with this theory. You could make the argument that, you know, Desmond was, in a way, by, you know, time traveling, preventing himself from dying in the future. But.
0: Yeah, well, the th- the thing that's important, you-, you have to think, when they say you can't change the past, it's not that you shouldn't change the past. Like, if you change the past, you'll destroy the world. It's that right. you can't. No matter what you try to do, You, you can can't. do it
1: differently. But you, can, you can't change. how You can't gonna, change
0: up, ha- how an event's going to happen.
1: And something just interesting that I just happened to look up while we were talking about this is that uh, David Hume actually thought that free will and determinism weren't separate, and it wasn't one or the other that they were compatible. Which is interesting. Yeah. That
0: well, that would make sense. Yeah.
1: That you know you can do it the way you want. You can do it your way. You can but change you know your your character, I guess, the way you take on things, but you're not... You can't change what's destined to happen. Yeah. So, that's interesting. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about... Could it be, you know, alternate timelines? And I was actually reading a whole big long theory on um, Dark UFO. I cannot credit it right now, and I'm very sorry. Um, But it was a pretty complete theory about all the... Problems and paradoxes they created with this episode, supposedly with you know Eloise. The problem of Eloise uh, learning the maze
0: earlier, and so never having. Well, so the the, the theory. Th- this is what I originally believed that it, it cre- Eloise creates a paradox because she her mind jumps to the future. She learns this this maze. Maze. Thank you. She learns the maze, jumps back to her present time, runs the maze, and then Faraday then has no reason to teach her the maze because... So she never learned so the maze. So she never learned I the was... maze. So how does she know the maze? Right.
1: And um, it, it's a valid point. It is. It is. But it, it just kind of relates to me, for me, to that theory of the timeline, where you can learn it sooner, and thus you never had to learn it in the future. And it just course corrects,
0: right? And it's not an important an important event, right? So it doesn't matter. Um, this theory was very,
1: very. Um, it was good. It was all together. It was you know detailing all these problems, and then it ended with sort of the conclusion that they were writing this storyline with paradoxes specifically to set up the idea idea of alternate timelines and alternate realities which
0: they the creators have specifically said they're not doing. They're
1: not doing alternate realities because there's enough on our plate basically. Right. They don't want to confuse anyone. And it, anymore. it
0: makes us not invested in these flash forwards we're seeing. These and future forwards as <laughs> our friend likes call
1: Future forward. Uh, and just to you know we'll, we'll credit
0: that on the blog. Yeah but whatever. What? Anyway, that's basically uh, Great
1: theory, nice try. Uh, okay.
0: That's all I have to say about time. That's
1: what we have to say about the constant. You know, we could talk about the constant for hours if we wanted to. And we have. And we have. Believe me. Uh, you know, for everything from that to the fact that the purple light he used on Eloise was similar to the purple, purple light area. in the sky we after the hatch. We go on and on. But the episode that we're talking about now is episode six, The Other Woman which was Juliet's. And you know, there the reactions to this episode were nowhere Not very near good. the uh reaction Well, you to know,
0: it. when you're the episode coming after the best episode right. of Lost,
1: the best episode of Lost as rated um rate.
0: Yeah.
1: So, um,
0: you know, between the I third and didn't fourth dislike
1: season. this episode. I I I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. it. I thought it was a nice, you know, Break a nice, you know, relevant backstory. Yeah. Um, it answered questions. It answered some questions I had. It answered some questions I wish it hadn't answered. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> so. So uh, we're not going to do much of a recap because
0: because we can't control ourselves. Because we just
1: go on and on, and we're just reading off lost PD and You could probably do that yourself. Yeah. Um, or you
0: could watch the show, which you did. So what's the point? <laughs> which you did. <laughs> Hopefully,
1: otherwise, <laughs> what this do? is not the Heroes <laughs> podcast. You gotta find another you one. You gotta find another one. Um, so the first thing we kinda wanna talk about in this episode is Harper. And, um, just her, how she, how is she appearing to Juliet? Is she alive or dead?
0: Right. I think she's an island vision.
1: Right, I do too. Um, because she disappeared. She came with the whispers. Yes. She disappeared. It just all points to that. Um. She She's a very interesting character, and hopefully we'll learn more about her. Um, there are degrees on her wall. Let's see if Okay. She has degrees up on her wall mm-hmm. when um, Juliet first comes in. One is a certificate of recognition from the Hanzo Foundation, and another is a uh, certificate for Experimental Social Psycho- Psychology Society. So she's an experimental psychologist, supposedly. And it's very interesting that her certificate would come from the Hanzo Foundation. Whether this means she, you know, was trained there on the island to be a psychologist by Ben, and the only letterhead he happens to have is Hanzo Foundation. (laughs) Or, uh, Or, you know, she has been there for quite a long time and was trained in this field, you know, prior to the purge. So she possibly could be a, you know, survivor of the purge.
0: Oh god, sorry. It's okay.
1: <laughs> We're in a basement. We're in right a now, dusty there's, basement. There's a lot of dust, so please excuse me. Yeah. So uh I guess what I wanted to get into with her is just what her character might mean. Um Casting, she was originally called Chanley Price. Uh, she was described as tough, no-nonsense, beautiful in an unadorned way, a therapist by profession, and yet could benefit from some therapy herself. The qualities that make her a leader and effective at seeing into other people also also cause her problems in her own life. She can be overly controlling and obsessive. Her strength and personality is undeniable. Um, Harper may relate to the Greek mythological harpy. A harpy is a disgusting, vicious monster with a woman's face and body and the wings and claws of a bird. It acts as a minister of divine vengeance. The word is often used hyperbolically to refer to a strident, demanding woman, especially a wife. Which, you know, clearly we see. Um, let's see, what else could it be? Uh, one that I found really interesting was um, the name Harper Stanhope could be a reference to the book Empty Cradle by Karen Harper. In it, a woman wanting a baby heads to a fertility clinic in New Mexico run by a Dr. Stanhope, a feminist embryologist who is stealing the eggs of her patients and using them in experiments with drugs that can cause birth defects. Um. I think this is the first character that have, has this many possible references. Yeah. Uh, also, it could be a reference to Harper Lee of To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, Charles Stanhope, third Earl of Stanhope. Um. <laughs> Hi We had a, <laughs> we had a little uh, technological
0: difficulty. You may notice we sound. Oh, we sound so good. now. And I'll tell you why because we're using a great microphone that I thought was plugged in, but wasn't. So I was using this, this crap microphone on my computer. So enjoy that wonderful sound. Now, now enjoy this. Enjoy clear, crisp. HD sound. HD sound. And also, it cut off, and we didn't know it cut off. So, we have to start... We have uh, to re-record, like, 18 minutes, but it's better than, you know, 40. Alright,
1: um, we were talking about Harper, and now we're talking about, um, basically just how did she appear to Ben? How, How did, uh, Ben make her appear, if he truly did make her appear? Um, did he... Did he really send her? Is she a manifestation? Um, I think she's
0: a manifestation.
1: I do believe she's a manifestation. I believe she's probably dead. um, Though I don't know why. Um, Whether or not Ben sent her directly, I don't know. But I feel like Ben has some sort of influence over these manifestations on the island. To some degree. Um, He knows how to control it. Um, Or... She, as a person, would just have been so loyal to Ben, or so opposed to Juliet, that she would be able to appear to Juliet, you know, on her own terms, telling her to basically kill Miles and, um, Charlotte. Yeah. Charlotte, who, by the way, is a badass.
0: Yeah, she's also kind of a bitch. She is a little bit of a bitch. Um but in but you know she means well, so.
1: You know, you know she's trying. Um so there at, so at the tempest, um Daniel's trying to stop this leak from happening. Um by starting it, which is strange. Yeah. Um I guess it had what I'm guessing is that whatever chemical reaction that is making this gas so you know, hostile to humans has to be initiated before it can be rendered inert. Yeah. It has to be built up, it has to go through that process, I guess. Also, you know, for theatrical reasons, sure. it had to uh, be working up. But um, judging by screen caps on the screen, what whatever he was inputting into the computer wasn't all that significant. Just, you know, detailing his process of trying to change... Yeah. Um, uh, Related to that, in Juliet's flashback, we see that Ben had Goodwin working at that station, apparently, judging by, you know, the fact that he had these chemical burns. Yeah. Seems, and you know, at a point in the episode, he says, you know, Ben has me in control of a station that, with the press of a button, could kill everyone on this island. So, it seems very... For Ben to keep to, someone in control, of something yeah, to that give someone that power, something that he supposedly, you know, most people think used during the purge, including Charlotte. Yeah. Um. So, you know, the main things that we get out of this episode are, you know, Ben's relationship with Juliet hmm Which we're gonna get more into, um, in a- in a second, but also, you know, the fact that he's talking now. He says that, you know, his last bargaining tool was this information he has about Woodmore. Which
0: I do not believe. Which I don't believe,
1: come on. Um,
0: and- He just wants Locke to believe that he's won.
1: Right. So, you know, it's not the first time he's duped Locke, and it's not the last. Yeah. So he shows him the tape, you know, Locke trusts him now. Basically, finally we find out that this is Woodmore's freighter.
0: Yeah, we finally
1: know who the freighter belongs to. Right. And my theory has always been that Widmore and Hanzo are in some ways at odds with each other. Yeah. These companies, I believe that. Hanzo, um, while I'm sure not entirely, is very much a uh, philanthropy type thing um they want to use the island's resources for betterment like prolonging age adapting to different um uh,
0: you know for science
1: for science adapting to different climate changes which is you know what they were trying to do with the poor bears um things like that whereas i think uh Woodmore has been you know used the analogy of people flocking to that virgin mary in the in yeah. the mold, um, would be more interested in exploiting it. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be cheesy, but, you know, everything from making products and, you know, maybe this life extension technology on the island to conducting, you know, t- tourist trips to this island where you can see all these anomalies for yourself. and
0: can you imagine? Just
1: kind of... You know, taking control of it, basically. Can you imagine Disneyland, the island? Oh, god. Uh, anyway. I'd never leave. Before I start on that. Um... So now that we officially know it's Woodmore too, we can ask, you know... Well, then why does... Why did Naomi have that picture of Penny and... And Desmond? I think it was because, uh... I think that he has always known where this island was. Judging by, you know, the fact that his freighter was there. Um, he's always known where it was, he just hasn't been able to get to it. Yes. And um, I think that he had some idea that Desmond might be there. Why? Because maybe he set him up to land there.
0: Yeah, maybe he put coordinates into the...
1: There's a lot of theories that... Libby was working for him, um, was giving this boat to Desmond, kind of, you know, being in the right place at the right, right time at the instruction of Woodmore, to give him this boat that had, you know, preset the coordinates to the island in it so that he would end up there and thus be officially away from his daughter, No, yeah. no threat whatsoever, and so maybe he gave Naomi this picture... And said, you know.
0: If you see him, make sure he does not get off. <laughs>
1: make sure he doesn't get off. Or make sure he doesn't get off alive, you know? Yeah. So there's that. And then Ben supposedly tells Locke who's on, who his man on the <coughs> boat is. Um, <laughs> which, you know, of course we don't know. Of course we don't find out. Uh, at the same time that Locke does. Um, So... You know, Ben also describes Woodmore as the common enemy between the two of them, which I thought was a really interesting way to put it. Because it seems like they're both out for the greater good of the island. Yeah. Is kind of what he's alluding to.
0: You know, I can see them as best friends. I don't know why they're just... (laughs)
1: Um, another thing is I think that Locke probably got Miles talking. With that lovely little trick. Yeah. Because he does reference the $3.2 million and then... Well, no. Kate told him that. Right? Did she? Yeah. Oh, I'm just dumb. It's okay. Anyway, that was a nice zing with, sure. the, with the dollar that he gave to Ben, though. I think Ben gained the most zing points in this episode.
0: Yeah, he also Overall. gained a dollar.
1: And a dollar. So he's getting he's getting there. Um. So just you know, quick going back to um. Julia's flashback before we discuss all this, you know, relationship stuff and the Ben theory. Um, Juliet, at her, you know, lovely dinner with Ben mentions the kids, and she asks, you know, do the kids really belong here? And he says they're on the list, who we'd argue with who's on the list. So, these lists have been coming up a lot more lately. He, um, again says that You know, at the point where she's asking about Goodwin, he says that they have everyone on the list from the tail section. Yeah. So, um, I think, you know, a lot of that conversation was him lying to Juliet to stall her from finding out that Goodwin was dead. True. But, true. (laughs) Okay. Um, so basically from now on we're gonna get into my... Big Ben Theory, version 1.0.
0: Big Ben Theory, version 1.0.
1: Version 1.0, because, uh... You love Ben. Okay, I, we haven't got to the... We've alluded to it, I, I'm sure, but, um... We kind of haven't explicit, explicitly
0: said that well, you I know, love... I think you, it's time you came out and said it.
1: It's time I come out and say that I love Ben. Um, he's my favorite character. Uh... I truly believe that in season two, when you know we were kind of going through this slump, and you know, fire plus water came out, and everyone went, "Oh God!" No one really know where knew where it was headed, what was going everyone on. Everyone said,
0: "Oh, this show's really bad. Let's go watch that Heroes show."
1: <laughs> Let's go watch that Heroes. That Heroes show didn't come out at that time, by the way, but um. <laughs> You know, it went through a slump. A lot of people really were worried about it at that point in the season. Yeah. And then along came, you know, this Henry Gale. And, you know, he captured... Captured our hearts. Captured our hearts. Specifically mine. Only yours. Well,
0: no, he has captured mine.
1: I've loved him since the beginning. Whether he was good or bad, he saved the show. And I've always thought that there was a lot more to him than meets the eye.
0: No, oh, Transformer. And, and you've always loved what's met your eye. <laughs> Thanks for that. I felt this is the only way I could say it. <laughs> that would be okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this anymore.
1: Michael Emerson, if you could give me um, an email, or I mean email. That'd be Michael great. Emerson,
0: send me an email, please. <laughs> please, we could talk. You're my favorite actor. Uh, Matthew Fox. Please send me an email.
1: Okay. Um, basically, this theory revolves around The Purge, you know, Annie, and a lot of just unanswered questions about Ben's character. Um, and we're starting with The Purge. Now, we don't know exactly when The Purge happened, but we can sort of guesstimate that it happened... In either the 80s or the 90s, according to Lostpedia. The orientation film in The Swan took place, was recorded originally in 1980, and it references some sort of incident. Now, just to be clear, I. A lot of people, you know, when they saw the Purge episode, believed that that was the incident. And I do not believe that, that was the incident. I believe they're two separate things. I believe the incident had something to do with the magnetic, the
0: technological, the technological aspects.
1: aspect of the island, the magnetic field, the fact the, that it got the hatches, out of control. Yeah. Right. Um. So here's here's the events that lead it to being in the mid '80s. Um. In the events of the purge, Alex was not in Ben's care. Daniel Rousseau cl- claims to have arrived in 1988 and to have seen no living person on the island for the next 16 years. While she talks of the others, she claims to know them only as whispers. From that, it seems like maybe she didn't see so many people because there were not so many people yeah. at that point. Um, according to the back of the blast door in the Swan, the shutdown date of the station was on 10-28-84. This most, most likely refers to the day of the purge. It also states that the abandonment of another one of the stations was because of the incident of 1985. This also most likely refers to the purge. I don't know about that because I do separate those two things, but I do believe that the purge could have been a sort of incident in terms that it could have affected the way that these stations were
0: manned yes. on the island. I do want to make say one thing about what the, the blast storm map says. It refers to the a h slash m d g incident so i don't we don't know what that means, but i believe that that there that's just a word they're using that was, was right a
1: lot of people think it's alvar
0: hanzo middlework de group middle work de group um but i think the incident had to have taken place prior to nineteen eighty as the swan orientation video is copyrighted nineteen eighty right
1: Exactly. <laughs> um, so, uh, just another thing is, according to statements by Hugh McIntyre, the Hanzo Foundation cut Dharma funding in 1987. No Dharma-branded supplies dropped onto the island even in 2004, but the initiative apparently had no functioning installations there, and the identity of the people who actually dropped the supplies has not been established. So, it kind of seems that if the purge really did happen in the mid-'80s, um, Somehow, they found out about it and cut all funding and,
0: you yes. know, missions there. And just quickly about the drop, I feel that the drop... The, the same thing that happened to the rocket that was sent to Daniel Faraday happened to the drop. So, they sent it, the people on the island said, uh, it's not here yet. And then, however much long later, right, it shows up on the island.
1: And I believe that that could be true, and I also believe it's possible that Ben is controlling whether or not the drop gets sent. Yeah, like, sure has maybe it's just an automatic flight that these people are told to make but they don't really know why exactly and you know for some reason someone's still commanding them to do it anyway so here's the argument for the 90s um ben states that he took the lives of over 40 people not so long ago in through the looking glass the season three finale um it's 2004, so not so long ago kind of points to within the past, you know, 10 years. Yeah. But could also, you know, he's 50-something years old. It could also point to, you know, him looking back on the past 20 years. Yeah. On the island. Because he's been in control for a while. As time seems to pass differently on the island, it's probable that for the outside world, this event happened a longer time ago. Um, My theory really doesn't relate to the outside world, so... You know, this may refer to Ben's feelings and the incident still being close at heart. In Ben's flashback, recounting the events of the Purge, he consults a watch, first mass-produced in 1992. <laughs> a Timex Indiglow illuminated model. I had a, uh, I had an Indiglow. Really? Yeah. Big 1992
0: model? Well, 90- <laughs> 92. I didn't have an Indiglow in 92, but I had an Indiglow in, like, 98. <laughs> anyway.
1: Um... Also, Kelvin Idman could not have arrived on the island earlier than 1992 because he was in the war. And Mikhail said he arrived at the island in 1993, 11 years before Enter 77. And his statements suggest he was an eyewitness to the Purge. I actually am torn between when I think that the Purge actually happened. But I do think that it... You know... I don't know if Mikhail really was an eyewitness to it, or if he just feels he knows what's going on so well. I don't feel that Kelvin was necessarily... Although I do believe that Kelvin Kelvin was probably recruited by Ben. Um, Yeah. So, I'm not sure when it happens, but I'll tell you why I think it did happen.
0: Um, What? The Purge? Yes. In... The 90s? Or just... In no, ge- just
1: in general why I think the Purge happened, how it oh, relates right. okay. to this episode and everything that's going I on. I thought
0: you were saying why I think it really did happen. I was like, well, it did.
1: Yeah, well, obviously. The um, reason for why it happened. So Ben is infatuated for some reason with Juliet. And the reason that Stan Hope gives is because he looks just like her. Now, a lot of people believe that this could mean... Um, his mother, who is played by Michael Emerson's wife, and if you, you know, compare the two side-by-side, yes, Elizabeth Mitchell could look a lot like her. Sure. They do look a lot alike, and it, you know, obviously he would have some need to connect to someone who was, you know, going to be motherly to him, and I'm not denying at all that that's part of it. Yeah. Someone who can mother him in a way. Take care of him. Because he's never had that. But I think that we're really talking about Annie here. As we see, you know, in The Man Behind the Curtain, Annie was sort of motherly to him. She told him what was going on. She told him, you know, she gave him those dolls saying we'll never have to be apart. And um, she is very important. And I believe that Juliet looks like Annie. To him, yes, and I believe that he is in some way looking to replace Annie. Um, Darlton Kuzloff has said that Annie is of seismic importance to Lost. I may be repeating myself, but I don't, I don't know, know when what it cut don't, off. I don't so, know. <laughs> anyway, of seismic importance to Lost, you know, they did reference the fact that there was a volcano on the island. I'm sorry for repeating myself, but um. How a person relates to a volcano, I don't know, but, you know. Anyway. It could have no reference to the volcano, it could just mean that she's important, don't forget her. Um, okay. So we know that the island has these problems with with women giving birth. They don't really carry into the third trimester. They die in the middle of the second trimester. I believe that this problem has gotten worse. In, over time
0: that people used to be able to have children on this island
1: used to maybe people didn't try that often, maybe it it was something that didn't happen that often. I don't know, maybe it happened after the incident, you sure. know after the incident which released all this you know electromagnetism, there were complications, so I believe that Ben and Annie did have a relationship, and I believe that she died the same way his mother died. Giving birth to a baby that, you know, she could not carry to full term. Um, and I believe it was Ben's baby. Now, who I believe this baby is, where this baby is, people might disagree.
0: Um, I love this, I think it's so true, I can't even stand how much I love this.
1: I believe that Carl is Ben's
0: son. Because think about it.
1: I think... Listen, nobody knows who this kid's parents are. Ben just locks him up in a cage, does experiments on him. He does not want to be near this kid.
0: And also, where where did this 16-year-old kid come from? Exactly. On an, With this pack of people that cannot have children...
1: Why Hawaii's... transport a 16-year-old kid to the island? If you're just you know, going to him. Exactly. If you're just going to perform experiments on him um to me this would really explain why he doesn't want carl near alex you know not only because if they have sex he could get her pregnant and she could die right but because you know he he wants no he considers Alex his daughter and he wants no connection
0: between right carl and, and he her. resents carl for killing annie he completely
1: would resent carl for killing annie would probably give him away, or you know, leave him to the care of a group of people. Just you know, have the the island raise him in a way. You know, everyone there, sort of taking part in it. And I believe that this is why he took Alex from Danielle. Um, they they're finding out about this problem. He witnessed it firsthand, and. I really think that it was after this
0: moment that he was pushed over the edge to complete the purge. Yeah, he comes to this island promising promising great things. Nothing but bad stuff happens to him. He finds these people who say, you know, you should do this, and he's like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I've got a wife, we're gonna have a kid.
1: You know, he he's doing all these things for the the quote-unquote hostiles. Yeah. For all these years, ever since he was eight years old and first saw his mother. So I'm assuming they, you know, picked up on the fact that he's special in some way. Um, he He's doing all these things for them, and they finally tell him that this is the last thing that he's going to have to do. He's going to have to kill all these people because they're in some way, you know, not uh, they're not conducive to what's happening on the island, and they're yeah. just getting in the way. Um, maybe he was reluctant to do this, but... It also explains, you know, where was Annie during this? Had she already died, I don't believe he would have killed her. Right. So, you know, he, he had no emotion after it happened. And the only way I could see that happening, because he was a very emotional kid, is him finally 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 finding that person to take care of him that he could take care of, to be his companion in a way, and then her being taken in the same way that he killed his own mother.
0: Yeah. So. And to him, probably he felt that she was being. That Dharma killed her. You know, it was Dharma's fault. It was this right. island's
1: fault. It's these people. These people couldn't find a solution to this. Yeah. So he kills them. Yeah,
0: not the island's fault. Dharma's fault.
1: Right. So he. So he, you know, devotes himself to this mission of women being able to carry to term. Not. And I think, you know. Well, is it selfish? Is it selfless? I don't know. Yeah. But um, I believe that this is why he took Alex. Obviously, they were interested in a woman who could give birth on an island to, you know, a healthy baby. It kind yeah. of proves the theory that, I, that Juliet has been trying to tell him, and I think he's known all along, that the answer is to conceive off-island. Yeah. So maybe he takes Alex at first to see, you know, what's the difference between a child who can't live conceived on the island and a child who, you know, can live conceived off-island and ends up taking her into his own care. You know, she's an exception to all this horrible, horrible stuff that's going on in the island. She was able to live. Her mother- she didn't kill her mother. Um, and so he wants her as a replacement to the son that he couldn't have because- he associates him too much with Annie and with him, his own, you know, problems. And, um, I he tells Alex, you know, the lie he makes up is that her mother died. You know. Could yeah. that possibly be what actually happened? So, um, you know, altogether I believe that Juliet looks like Annie. And, um... Another one of these, you know, interesting things to come out of this episode is, well, we've seen this picture before, but there's a portrait in Ben's house of a woman sitting there posing and she's, you know, holding a hamster in her hands. Um, She looks a lot like she could be a grown-up Annie. Yeah. I know you can't look at an eight-year-old and say...
0: Look at Juliet. an eight-year-old and compare it to a portrait. And
1: pr- Compare <laughs> it to a portrait that's not very good. Of a person Compa- that probably
0: hasn't even been cast
1: yet. Compare so. Yeah, compare it to a... Compare it to a 30-something-year-old woman.
0: But it's not... A, a but far-reached... who else
1: would he have that this, picture yeah. of? Unless it's his mother and he painted it himself. Yeah. It seems yeah. to be that it's on the island. There's, you know, a forest in the background. Um, and it's... I think that it's, once again, in reference to Annie. I think that's Annie. I think, you know, he still... He he doesn't want to forget her. Yeah. She's the only thing that ever truly mattered to him. Yeah. And so, his desire to have Juliet is not a sort of love. Right. I believe. It's more of a replacement. He needs someone for him to replace Annie. And who better than a doctor who can possibly fix this problem? Which, in his mind, would just be making it all better. Yeah. Um, Just... He wants to purge these memories in the same way that he purged everything that completely... You know, destroyed him on the island by killing all those people. So he just replaces old with new. He replaces Carl with Alex, he replaces Annie with Juliet. And so he's trying to make his life make sense in that way. And the fact that he believes that he can own a person, pretty much,
0: yeah,
1: is pretty much a testament to how messed up he is at this point. Mm-hmm. He is finding power with these, you know, these natives who are telling him that he's special. And he believes that power now is the answer to everything. and He can control it. He can get rid of what is troubling to him, and he can control his future. So, that is basically my theory about Ben. Um, I believe that... Ben is going to be, you know, his own demise eventually.
0: Yeah.
1: And that he's going to go down with this ship. Yeah. The island. And he truly, you know, I believe he is redeeming qualities. And in the last episode was the first time we truly saw him act just so out of sorts. Just as a human, he was showing real emotion, you know, and just childish emotion. You're mine. Yeah. Like, you can't play with that toy. It's mine. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna, you know, destroy you for taking it from me. He thinks that that's what he can do. He can just purge everything in his path of getting to what he wants. And so that is my theory of Ben's character, which is, I think, fitting for this episode because it was very much character-driven episode. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> as for <laughs> the Carl and... All those other issues when actually the purge happened I guess we'll be addressing that and I'll be updating my theory as it goes along yeah. so um Michael Emerson, if, if you thought that was a great theory uh, I think you're a great actor you never know
0: wrote your fan letter to him
1: <sighs> I think you're a great actor and you really capture that essence of Ben so well and wish you would email us and tell me
0: so. he's captured your essence
1: okay you can stop alluding to the fact, but... I'm
0: just, I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying that you love him.
1: Okay. I do love him.
0: Um, right. that's basically... That's basically main, what we got. What we got. So, well... I'm gonna tell you, all you listeners who haven't been sending emails, you're so jealous right now, because we have emails. Oh, we have emails. We got this email. It says, Sam, Anita... Heard your plea for email, specifically from me. I thoroughly enjoyed the podcast, even better than the original show. I subscribed on iTunes. Love the segment-specific art. Bye for now. Dad. dad. <laughs> that was my dad. So we're getting tons of emails. We're getting tons of fan mail from... I have another, and we got a question. Oh, wow. We got a question. I wish my parents were tech-savvy. I know you do. Um, I got a question... In, from an email from my mom, but a question from my grandma. <laughs> um, <laughs> Read the whole email. <laughs> it says, hi, Nita, um, I'm just on my way up to bed, but had to send an email because I was just listening to your podcast. Dad played it for grandma and me tonight, and you beseeched people, especially us, to email questions and comments. We thought it was great. Grandma had one question. She wants some discussion about the housekeeper. <laughs> She's going laugh. Do you a discussion about the housekeeper slash nanny who seems to be caren- caring for Aaron at Kate's house? What is she all about? She seems pretty close. To <laughs> the her. only people who email us are your parents, <laughs> <Grandparents>. <laughs> Shush! We're so popular. Um. Okay that that was a good question. Right. That was a question. That was a good question.
1: Um. I because don't... I originally thought it was his wife, but then it was revealed in a uh, enhanced episode that it was the nanny. Nope, sorry, that's Kate.
0: <laughs> you have no <laughs> idea what you're talking
1: okay. about. Okay, okay, right, right, Kate's nanny Kate's for nanny. Aaron. Okay, I'm sorry, okay. I, there are a lot of n- <laughs>
0: It's okay. <laughs> Imagine if Daniel Faraday had a nanny. <laughs> he does, kind of. Okay, oh, yeah. anyway. Sorry I about did, that. I did some research. There's not a whole lot on her. The Lostpedia page says- she takes care of Aaron while Kate is on trial. When Kate returns home, they hug, and the nanny tells her that she had just put Aaron in bed, and that's basically it. Um, I think that, you know, they've been off the island for a while, assume- presumably, so she right. probably, you know, made made this friend somehow.
1: Right, even she she possibly could have hired her, knowing that she, you know, obviously would have to go to jail for a while. Yeah. Or, you know you know, who's to say that people from her past, didn't come to her aid after yeah. she got back and, you know, referenced this person to her.
0: Yeah. Um, so the the character doesn't even have a name, but just a fun fact about the actress who plays the nanny, Tania Cahale, she, uh, has also worked- Kahale probably. Kahale probably. Uh, has also worked for the hair and makeup department of Lost, and- She was credited for that in the pilot part two.
1: That's cool, because she's probably, you know, just one of the tons of people who actually started out as just a huge Lost fan, Yeah, and just got to be in the show. And, you know, examples of that are um, Elizabeth Mitchell, I believe, did love Lost before Mm -hmm. she came on it. Julie Bowen, who played Jack's wife, Mm -hmm. was obsessed with Lost, and, you know, so excited that she got to be on it. And Michael Emerson's wife is... Carrie Preston. Carrie Preston is a huge Lost freak. She won't even watch the next time on Lost. That's... Things, intense. and she's... You know, she, she weeps when she watches it, basically. Yeah. Now she gets to be on it. So, you know, just one of those yeah. things. Um, so... Thanks for the questions. Thanks
0: for the questions. Continue to send us emails, everyone who's listening.
1: So, everyone who's listening, you can email us at Let's Podcast at gmail.com You sure can, and you can
0: visit our... Blog at let's letsgetlostpodcast.blogspot.com.
1: Right. Sorry for the long-windedness. When but... <laughs> we have links
0: there, we, we just write things.
1: So just send us, you know, information, anything you got. Comments. We're sorry. We'll talk about you. About this. <laughs> Technical. This one
0: sucks.
1: This one's so bad. Was, We're
0: sorry. I was so excited because we got this new mic and I was so excited to use it and then we didn't even use it for the first half.
1: Anyway. Anyway, we'll be in
0: it. Next week is going to be the perfect one.
1: Oh, next week is going to be so good. It's going to be be so good. It's going to be our Emmy award winning episode.
0: Yeah. Of
1: this podcast. By the way, if Michael Emerson doesn't win an Emmy after this episode, I will. Okay. I know. If Terry O'Quinn steals (laughs) that again. Terry
0: O'Quinn wins another Emmy. Anyway,
1: speaking of next week's episode... We're going to get into spoilers. We're going to get into
0: some spoilers. If you don't want to know about next week's episode, if you don't want to know spoilers because we got some big ones,
1: we got some big ones. Tune
0: out now. So thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. And uh, And don't get lost. Don't get lost on your way back. All right.
1: Spoilers. Spoiler time. We have two main spoilers, and... It's
0: going to be quick. It's going to be a quick spoiler section.
1: It could be quick, or, you know, we could be some calculating... Calculating bitches, and we can just okay, make listen. you make you dance around it. the for first a while. one which
0: we talked about last time was a death. no, well, no, I want to do do this one get this one out We said this last time, right Michael's on the on the on the freighter Michael is Michael on the freighter is Ben's man on the boat
1: yes, um Ben presumably led Michael there for a yes. reason, and uh there are promotional pictures on dark UFO that we can link to. That show, you know, (laughs) a a nice, great shot, actually, of Saeed, uh, Desmond, and Michael standing there. And it almost gave me the chills seeing Michael again. Um, And I haven't even seen him in action yet. Yeah. But it looks like we're actually, we may see him in the next episode. Maybe. Because in the promo for next week's episode, they said... Um, a face you never expected to a face see again. you
0: never expected to see again.
1: Which isn't true, because they did
0: say because that- Because every- m-
1: That, um, Terrell back. Perrineau was yeah. coming back to and the show. And his name
0: is on every- anyway.
1: His name's in the- cre- I, if if you don't know the names of the actors, then- you m- Like, throughout all season one, I didn't know yeah, I what those names were. Um, but I guess, you know, but his centric episode is not until episode eight, called Meet Kevin Johnson. Yeah, (laughs) and there's some great pictures uh, from that too. That'll be really interesting. I am, for one, so excited to see that. And episode eight will be part of the first eight episode set.
0: Episode eight is gonna have a big tsunami at the end.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, we know
0: for a fact there's gonna be a huge tsunami at the end of episode eight.
1: Right, the tsunami, two thousand four Indian Ocean tsunami. We should have talked about that in the actual episode so that everyone can
0: enjoy it. Talk about next time. All right, next time. I'll okay. Ask. Um. Uh Now our, le- our just second spoiler. Second We're spoiler. Too spoiler big today. Maybe next week. Not
1: not too much. Let's just read a little bit first about next episode, episode four. It's concept. called Ji Yan. Ji I don't know how you pronounce that. I'm so sorry if I- anyone who's I'm going to say Ji
0: um, uh, I'm. Right. My fair share of. Okay. People with Korean names.
1: So, um, what we have here is just a few things from it's spoiler effects. Jin and Sun Centric. Jin Sun centric. Flash centric. And you do know you know, by now probably that they are the final last, two, final Oceanic two of Oceanic Six. I don't know why everyone's been saying the last two are a little
0: complicated. Whatever. They're not. Um, <laughs> I think it's just because people might think that it's Ben and
1: Aaron. Right. So, so uh, what we have here, Juliet is forced to reveal some startling news to Jin when Sun threatens to move to Locke's camp. You know, we saw in the last episode, she's getting a little bit suspicious about, you know, what's going on here. She's calling the baby my baby. Yeah. You know. Saeed and Desmond begin to get an idea of the freighter crew's mission when they meet the ship's captain. Um, let's see. What else do we have? Fans of the show, we'll be happy to know we'll be wrapping up on episode seven. Yeah. Okay. Okay. A fan translated a Korean article, this is an extract, when Yunjin Kim, is that how you pronounce her yeah. name, uh, receives her script, she got shocked to find out that the title of her episode, Jiyeon, is also the name of Sunjin's baby. Yunjin is surprised because the name of Yunjin's character in her new movie, Seven Days, is Jiyeon, too. Jiyeon is the name of Korean females. I think it's kind of a common name, but not that popular of one. Um, There's a street scene, scene, I guess I probably should have gone backwards, because <laughs> it kind of goes that way. Yeah. Anyway, um, apparently there's going to be some stunt work in this episode. Um. Yeah, there's not a whole,
0: not a, not too much big stuff.
1: Uh, there's a toy store scene involving a big plushy panda. Uh, there's a street scene which appears to be the exterior counterpoint po- power. Bleh! Sorry. It's okay. English is not my first language. Uh, the street scene appears to be the exterior counterpart to the toy store scene they filmed the day before. We see Jin come out of the store with, yes, a giant stuffed panda bear. He's helping his plushy new pal. write writes these. He's helping his plushy new pal into a taxi cab when a guy speeding past on a blue moped knocks his cell phone out of his hand. As he stops to pick it up, the taxi cab takes off with someone else inside. Jin runs after the cab, yelling angrily, but to no avail. Cursing, he smashes the phone to bits on the street. And, uh, many crew members had to rush off to report to the day's second shoot. Which was... Which is a scene with Son Gunjin Kim, at a funeral. Um, I don't know what... What him being so pissed about a panda bear has... <laughs>
0: it's a polar reveal. I mean about. a panda bear,
1: sorry. Um, but... This is the episode where someone dies... And well, we've talked about the death a lot. We've talked about the death a lot, and
0: we've we've really been researching this death. And the first thing we heard was that it was it was one one of a list of six people.
1: Six people was it? Seven people. Six or seven. It, it was, was Claire Desmond, Juliet Juliet Faraday, Faraday son son Jin, Jin or Sawyer or Sawyer. Right. Then you know we have these seven people. And then through, I believe, Osiello... Oh, well, first, we thought we were convinced it was Claire, but then... Totally convinced it was Claire. The same website said that Claire was safe. Claire was safe. So, she was not in the running anymore. So, now we're left with possible six people. Yeah. Okay. So, Osiello then, I believe it was Osiello, revealed that it was going to be one of the original... Passengers, passengers flight of Flight 815.
0: Which knocked off Faraday, Juliet, and Desmond, right. and left Jin, Sun, Sun, and Sawyer. Sawyer.
1: Okay. And then, um... Then we found out that it was going to be a member of the Oceanic Six. I think Kristen
0: from Eon Line. that. Kristen from Eonline, I believe said that. Was one of the Oceanic Six. And since we know that Sawyer is not one of the Oceanic Six, that brings it down to Jin and Sun.
1: And also, in recent news, um... Daniel Day Kim was recently arrested for a DUI. DUI.
0: So, so the
1: that's the end of our podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> we will be back next week, right? We'll be back next week. I hope you enjoyed the spoiler section. Uh, not too much coming up really with spoilers. I don't. There's not much information yeah, about so the next there's set, only set yet. Two so, episodes left. This you know. Set. Hopefully, we'll have a lot next week. So. Yeah. Once again, sorry for the difficulties. Thank you for listening anyway. Thank you, anyway. Thank you, Mom and Dad. Um, Thank you so much. Thank you to Anita's parents. Thank you, Grandma. Love to thank Anita's parents and Grandma for listening and thinking that it's truly a pleasure. Because it's truly anything but a pleasure to work with your daughter. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I love it. Oh, uh, <laughs> um. I don't like you. Okay. So, oh, by the way, hope you enjoy our new intro and outro. Yes. You only get to hear it if you listen to this part. So, the outro, yeah. at least. spoiler people are loving it. Yeah, they just get all the benefits because they're cooler.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, so- we're going to end this at a min- uh, an hour and 15. Because that's a lost number. Nice. So, don't get lost. We're safe
1: with going into the next minute, by the way, because that's still a lost number. But, don't get lost. Don't get
0: lost, and we'll see you next week. See you next week. I'm not lost anymore.